أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله dear brothers and sisters and thank you for tuning in to session number five of the a lesson per page Quran program we made it to page number 23 of the Holy Quran and so today we are going to start with page with this page page number 23 Page number 23 is kind of a continuation, the, the, the lesson that's in it, one of the lessons that we take from it, is in continuation of something we covered in our previous session, where we, it was talking about the Qibla and how some people, how much importance they give to the Qibla, and the Qibla change that has taken place during the Prophet's time, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. They make such a big deal out of it, sometimes you feel like that is the number one priority in life, these details. The, these verses, or the, the verse that we're going to cover in this page, reminds the people that no, there are other things that are more important. This is important, but it doesn't deserve this much attention that you're giving to it. Let's recite the verse. Verse number 148 of Suratul Baqarah. Verse number 148 says, Everyone has a wijha, which means qibla, a place that you, a point that you turn towards, right? And you face. Everyone has a qibla that he has determined. He meaning Allah. Allah has determined. Now some might say this pronoun goes back to the people. Some tafsirs, um, they say that it goes back to Allah. I personally feel that Allah is better here. Everyone has a qibla that Allah has determined for them. So take the lead in good deeds. Wherever you may be, Allah will bring all of you. Indeed, Allah has power over all things. Okay, so this verse, the wording, the sequence in it, it's important. What's happening here? What's happening here is that these people made such a big deal, the Yahud of the time of the Holy Prophet They focused on the tiniest details and as a result, they forgot the essence of and the core of religion and faith. All of these details, all of this worship, all of these things that we're doing, what is it for? It is for us to yield righteousness and good deeds in the end, right? In other words, these details of the Qibla being towards Jerusalem, now towards Mecca and all that stuff, what happened, why did it happen and all that, all of this in the end is so that our worship is proper, so that our worship can yield righteousness, servitude of Allah, and things like that. For example, Iblis worshipped Allah according to Nahj al-Balagha for 6,000 years. That was ibadah that he did, worship that he did. But the core and essence of this ibadah, which is to bring about ubudiyah, to be a servant of Allah, to be humble, all these things, it didn't, bring, it didn't yield all of that. So yeah, it, it is worship and it is valid worship, but from an overall uh, sense of 
or from an overall perspective, you just don't see it yielding the fruit it's supposed to it's supposed to yield. And so the same thing is happening with the Banu Israel here when they're giving the Prophet such a hard time and such a headache over the Qibla and the Qibla change. In the end, instead of making a huge fuss over the Qibla, focus your efforts on what? فَاسْتَبِقُوا khayrat. Focus your efforts on and try to fall ahead and be the front runners in what? When it comes to khayrat, good deeds and being righteous. That's the point of everything actually. But then you are fixated on the Qibla, Qibla, Qibla. Look, the Qibla changed. Allah says there are different people that have different Qiblas that I've given them, I've determined for them. This is your job. You have to, uh, you have to do what I want you to do. Every, every people, every qawm has their own qibla. It means that it's not something that's set in stone. I can change it around if I want. One people have this, another people have that qibla. That's, what, that's, that's all that we need to know when it comes to a qibla. What you should be worried about is what? فَاسْتَبِقُوا khayrat. So if every person can have their own qibla that I determine for them, that's not something they should worry about. What they should worry about is that they're getting what they're supposed to get out of creation, out of their lives, which is khayrat. فَاسْتَبِقُوا khayrat. So try to be the front runners when it comes to this. Don't be some front runner when it comes to qiblas. Qiblas aren't your priority. <laughs> yeah, Qiblas are not the priority. Qiblas are important. But what is more important is the khayrat that's supposed to come out of this life. And then he says, Aynama takunu. Allah says, Aynama takunu. Look, in the end, Allah is going to be bringing all of you back to Him. Qibla, Qibla, Qibla. Qibla is good. But Qibla represents Allah and Allah's satisfaction. In the end, you're coming back to me. And so it's all about what I want from you, my satisfaction. You've got it all wrong. So brothers and sisters, us as Muslims living today, what we can take out of this or take away from this is, of course, we don't struggle with Qibla anymore. Qibla is not an issue anymore. We all know which way we're supposed to face. No one's giving us a hard time over it, anything like that. But what we need to be careful about, there's, there's a big lesson in this for us, that sometimes we as Muslims, as Shia today, whatever, we focus sometimes our energy, our concentration, our efforts on certain details, on certain ways of doing things, on certain rituals and whatnot, that might not be the priority, you know? Should we serve the dinner like this or like that in the center, for example, after the program, before the program? All right, these are things that we need to discuss, we need to plan on. But it's not like something we, we need to lose sleep over, and even worse than that, have big conflicts on or about. <laughs> that is going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. So the problem is, <clears throat> sometimes with us, is that we get so lost in these things, in these rituals, in these details, in the polemics, right? Sometimes it'll be Shia versus Sunni. It'll be Shia versus this type of Shia versus that type of Shia nowadays we're, we're hearing, right? And what happens is we neglect the greater goal we're trying to achieve through these programs and endeavors that we have. The bigger point of all of this is to preserve Islam, to practice Islam, to pass Islam on to the next generation. The next generation looks at us, they're like scratching their heads. They're like, whoa, what happened to the akhlaq? And so in the process of all this, akhlaq is, is out, the, out of the equ equation completely. It's not even taken into consideration. 
So then backbiting sometimes happens, God forbid, um, and so on. Some people's hearts will be broken, things like that. And so we have to be careful to get our priorities straight. These details are important, there's no doubt about it. Trying to make sure that everything works smoothly, no doubt about it. But we can't let those things that are less priority get in the way of that which is more of a priority. I always say this, we have to be careful, you know, us as communities, us in our centers, us in our masjids and mosques and all of that. We have to be careful that we don't reach a point where these are the places that the most uh, disobedience of Allah takes place in because of the backbiting, because of the heartbreaking, because of whatever it is. We have to be careful about that. Inshallah, that's not the case. And inshallah, we're very careful about that. But yes, if we don't get our priorities straight, sometimes we will end up defeating the whole purpose of these programs, these communities that we are a part of. Inshallah, that doesn't happen. Moving on to page number 24 of the Holy Qur'an. Life isn't always going to be sweet. Yep. For example, you'll have a pandemic that you're stuck in. Life, life is going to really be horrible for some, if not all. What's going on here? Why is this the case? Isn't God all loving, all merciful? Doesn't He want the best for us? And so on and so forth. Let's recite the verse and then discuss this matter a little bit. It says, this is uh, verses 155 to 157. <laughs> الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ أُولَئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَلَوَاتٌ مِّنْ رَبِّهِمْ وَرَحْمَةٌ وَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُهْتَدُونَ We will surely test you with a measure of fear, number one. Number two, hunger, three. And a loss of wealth, number four, lives, loss of fruits, and give good news to the patient. So all of these things are going to happen, but give the good news to those who are patient in the face of these calamities, these losses. Who are the patient ones? Those who when an affliction visits them, they say, indeed we belong to Allah and to Him do we indeed return. Now this doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to verbalize these words, they're going to say them, but this is what they remind themselves of. They believe in it. Whether they say it or not, if you say it, even better. But even if you don't verbalize these words, you have this understanding of inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raja'un. Indeed, we belong to Allah and to Him do we indeed return. It is indeed, it is they who receive the blessings of their Lord. Alayhim salawatun mir rabbihim. So it's as if Allah is reciting salawat on them. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that something to look forward to? It is they who receive the salawat of their Lord, the blessings of their Lord and His mercy. And it is they who are the rightly guided. Alright. So there are a lot of uh, things that this verse has touched on. Five things in particular. Fear, hunger, a loss of wealth, lives and fruits. So for example, when the pandemic hit, COVID-19 hit, what happened? Well, people had fear. 
because they're fear they're afraid uh, especially in the beginning when they haven't when they hadn't figured out the virus yet people had legit fear for their lives and when people were going shopping for example grocery shopping they were taking really extreme measures to be careful that they don't con contract this virus so people were wearing gloves hand sanitizer all over the place um, masks face shields and so on nowadays now that a year or so has passed after lockdown these th th those people usually you won't see people wearing gloves anymore when they're out shopping because it has been proven to an extent that uh, you can't contract it through touching surfaces as easy as you can through uh, breathing and so anyway people are taking masks more serious now and not taking hand sanitizer or gloves that serious all right so the point I'm trying to make here is that there was a lot of fear well, this verse is saying we're going to test you with fear hunger people you know started losing jobs started struggling financially so that brings about hunger a loss of wealth when you lose your job you lose wealth you have to spend out of pocket you have to spend from your savings that's going to be hard too what else F lives of course we all know a lot of lives were lost and lots of and, and loss of fruits and produce and things like that yeah there was a shortness of 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 certain products certain produce when this happened so this is these are these are the these are the things that happened brothers and sisters these are the things that happen when Allah is testing Allah is letting us know in the Quran this is the rule this is how it's going to be so at least he's letting us know okay <laughs> at least he's letting us know but what I want to talk about is this that every place has its function and purpose okay so these verses are speaking about what happens in this dunya right Every place has its function and its purpose. We have to understand that. You go to the spa to relax, to unwind. You go to the gym for the exact opposite. No one relaxes in the gym. Who's going to pay money to go to a gym to relax? I pay, I'll, if I want to relax, I'll pay money to go somewhere else where it's, where, it's, where it's made to relax in. All right, so every place has its purpose. A gym has its purpose. The spa has its purpose. No one thinks you're crazy for going to the gym to put yourself through hardship, right? <laughs> because the only way you're going to make f major fitness gains is through going to the gym. I mean, that's one of the ways to do it. Another way is to buy lots of weights, for example. Whatever, whatever. Now, I say all of this because the same goes for the dunya. The dunya has its own function and purpose. We have to understand this. If we don't understand this, we're going to struggle figuring certain things out of why there's suffering in this world, why there's hardship in this world while Allah is seeing all of it and is watching but isn't doing anything about it. This is a question, this is a problem that a lot of people struggle with finding an answer to. They're like, wait, well, I thought God was all merciful. I thought God is all great. He is. That's why we're here. Because He knows the only way to Jannah, that Jannah, that's a special Jannah. The only way to get there is through coming into this material world, which is, which is the lowest level of existence, and making our way up through all the things that happen in this world. It is only in a world, a material world, it is only in a material world where you will have clash, where you will have things running into each other, where you have 
uh, interests clashing with each other and all of that. That's the only place. It is only in a material world where you have people going hungry and starving and all of that. That's what material world is all about, brothers and sisters. Because of these characteristics and features of the material world and Allah wanting to test us so that as a result of the tests we build our Jannah and get an opportunity to build our Jannah or Jahannam is that He brings us here. That is the function of the dunya. Now it's not like when we come into this dunya Allah's going to like right away start uh, shooting at us with all these hardships. No, I mean everyone knows the rule is ease in this life. Right? That's the rule. The exception is hardship and suffering. It'll happen. We all know it'll happen. Things will go bad. Things will go downhill for us. But it's not like it's happening every second of our lives. Right? That's not the case. That's not the rule. But yeah, there will be exceptions to this. Sometimes as a result of our own doing or others doing and, and so on. But there's a lot to say here in this regard. I'm going to keep it at that. It is here that when these things happen, according to this verse, Allah is waiting to see what our reaction is going to be. Are, they, are we going to be one of the sabirin so that we can at least make the most of this opportunity? Or am I going to, or I'm going to, or am I going to be weak about it? Am I going to be chicken about it and run away from it? Am I going to turn away from God now as a result of this? It's like walking into a gym and you see all of the uh, blood, sweat, and tears. What are you going to do? Are you going to actually own up to it, embrace this hardship, and do your best to make the most of it? Or are you going to just run away and just be that weakling that you are? Right? Which one is it going to be? And so all of these uh, superstars and athletes and, and, and successful people out there, they're saying that what we did when it came to fitness, for example, if they're successful in fitness, is that we were just the hardest working in the gym. There is no secret to the to success in the gym. You just embrace it. You make a strong decision. You embrace it. You go for it. That's what they say. The same thing with the dunya. Allah wants to see who's going to embrace it, who's going to run away from it. That's what it's going to be all about. And that's why these things are there. It's like saying, "Oh, I don't." If a person says, "I don't want these things in the dunya," why is there khawf, ju, naqsin min al amwal wal anfus wal thamarat in the dunya? It's like saying, "Why is there a bench press in the gym?" a leg press in the gym, why are there dumbbells in the gym? That's what the gym is for, that's the purpose of it. That is the purpose of the dunya. These are the means by which Allah allows us to grow by our proper reactions and the way we deal with these matters. My parents make me upset, what am I going to do? Am I going to slam the door and shout at them? Na'udhu Billah. Or am I going to make the right decision of keeping my mouth shut, bottling up my anger? That's what it's all about. That's what it all comes down to. These people who say inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un, who have this mentality of we belong to Allah and we're going to return to Him, this is all part of the process, all part of the plan. They are the ones who will say, okay, this will come to pass, that will come to pass. You know, they'll get angry, it's fine. Sometimes you get angry, sometimes you lose your cool and all that. But all in all, you don't lose your hope completely and turn away from everything. No, no, no. Who does that? Because in the end, you're the one who's going to be at loss uh, the most when you don't have the mentality of inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. So, brothers and sisters, when these things happen, we don't fret. It's all part of the purpose of the dunya. Just like the blood, sweat, and tears 
of the gym, the dunya has its own blood, sweat, and tears. And so, inshallah, we are able to pass each of these tests that come our way. Page number 25, love of idols versus love of dunya. So, question. Um, am I going to, when I have love of dunya, for example, should I be happy that, okay, I don't have love of idols at least, you know? Is there a difference between idols and dunya? What's going on? What can we say about this? Yes, there were idolaters back then who would worship idols. And in that sense, that's shirk. So what's for sure is that um, <laughs> these people are in very bad shape. But that's not the point of this lesson that we're going to take from page 25. Let's read the let's read the Arabic and then get to the message in this in these in the verse. This is verse 165 of Surah Baqarah. It says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَن يَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ وَلَوْ يَرَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا إِذْ يَرَوْنَ الْعَذَابَ أَنَّ الْقُوَّةَ لِلَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ شَدِيدُ الْعَذَابَ The translation says, Among the people are those who take others for worship besides Allah. Here it says others. We'll talk about that. Andadan. So they take others for worship besides Allah, the translation says. Loving them the same way they love Allah. The faithful, on the other hand, have more love for Allah. If only the wrongdoers could see when they cite the punishment that power altogether belongs to Allah and that Allah is severe in punishment. I find this verse to be awesome. I have a lot of favorite verses in the Quran. I've said this. This is one of my favorites. And if you notice, most of the ones that I've selected for this Quran program are my favorites. <laughs> okay, so shirk is a bad thing. We all know. Right? The mushrikeen had idols, but they believed in Allah too. They believed that Allah is up there at the top and there's a lot of little Allahs, so to speak, at the bottom. And we've talked about this before in previous sessions. So they have this belief of Allah and so the problem with them is they have shirk. Okay. And so the verse points this out, but there, the, the, the verse has a little subtle point in there. The verse, of course, is calling out the mushrikeen. But it doesn't talk about how they're worshipping their idols and this is shirk and this is a problem. Okay, number one. Number two, it says andadan. It doesn't say alihatan. It says andadan. What does andad mean? Andad is the plural of nid. Nid means something that's similar to something else is equal to something else. Now, of course, for them it was the idols. But the question here that begs to be asked is, 
do we have sometimes in our lives, we don't have idols, but do we have nid for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We'll get to this lesson more. We'll talk about it later. Let's go back to the mushrikeen though. We're not done with them yet. The mushrikeen, the verse is scolding them. It scolds them for what? For having the same love for the idols that they had for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Scolding them for that. Does this mean that the shirk is not a problem? No, that's a different problem altogether. But the fact that the verse puts its finger on the fact that they loved their idols more than Allah, the love is, excuse me, is equal to the love for Allah, that's also a problem. What we get from, and this verse is so inspirational, man. What we get out of this verse is that sometimes you might not even have an idol per se that you're worshiping, an object that you love so much. Right? Oh my God, I love my phone so much. I love my phone so much. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm not worshiping my, my phone, so that's fine. No, that's, okay. that's not the thing here. That's not the point here. The point here is that even if you don't worship something, but you have an equal love for it that you have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is the big problem. So forget shirk. Shirk, of course, is a huge problem. The fact that you make, you take something that is not Allah and you worship it as if it is Allah or has some divinity to it, that is a problem. Only Allah de deserves worship. There is no one worthy of worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La ilaha illallah. That is a problem for sure, shirk. But even if you're not, giving, if you, even if you're not practicing shirk per se, but rather what you're doing is there's something out there that you love as much as you love Allah. That is a problem too. So love of the idols versus love of dunya, when it comes to that, the matter of love, idol or dunya makes no difference. Yeah, when it comes to worship, if you're worshiping an idol, you're not worshiping dunya maybe. You're not prostrating to your phone or to your car or to your house or something like that. You're not doing that. So there's a difference there. One is shirk, one is not shirk. But when it comes to the love part, the Qur'an is scolding them because they also had love the same way they have for the idols, for Allah. So if I ever find myself, if I ever catch myself having that much love for something, even if I'm not worshipping it, but that love is close to the love that I have for Allah, that's a problem. And a sign for it, a sign, not, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the case, but it's a sign that, okay, there is something we need to work on here. A sign for it is if all I'm thinking about is that thing. Even in my salat, for example, I'm thinking about that thing versus trying to think about Allah a little bit. Well, we'll struggle, we'll struggle in our salats. Our mind will wander off. We'll tr we have to at least try to bring our mind back and try to focus on Allah at least. But if when I say Allahu Akbar and I start my salat, all I'm thinking about all I'm thinking about is that car, that house, that meeting that I'm going to have, all that stuff shows that I have work to do at least, okay? It shows that I have uh, to fix certain things out and fixing certain things and figure certain things out. We have in the Quran verses that speak of some who have worked on themselves to the point 
that all the trade that's happening out there, all the business that's happening out there, all the good stuff that's happening out there, they are part of it, of course, but it doesn't get in their way of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their love for those things isn't up to par with their love to Allah. It says, رِجَالٌ لَا تُلِهِهِمْ تِجَارَةٌ وَلَا بَيْعٌ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ There are some people that are real lovers of Allah. Why? Because the trade and the business that happens out there, it doesn't get in the way of their remembrance of Allah. Why does it not get in the way of their remembrance? Because they, their love for Allah is more. And so this is something to work towards. It won't happen overnight. But inshallah, the more we obey Allah, the more we listen to Him, the more we read His book, the more we reflect over His greatness and magnificence, inshallah, inshallah, the love for Him will be more than the love we have for anything else. And if we have love for anything else, it'll be in line with our love for Allah. Right? If I love my family, if I love my Imam, if I love my Prophet it's all in line with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So some people say, what is dunya then? When we say, be careful of love of dunya, the answer is anything that is other than love of Allah or is not in line with love of Allah is dunya. And the love I have for it will be love of dunya. I really... I really love this verse. Let's move on to page number 26. What were they thinking? So, there are people that, you know, will have a good argument, okay, for, what, for something wrong that they're doing. At least it might kind of make sense. All right, we can understand where you're coming from, no problem. Although we disagree with you, although we think that's wrong, but all in all, all right, you have an argument to make. Sometimes, man, you ain't got no argument. <laughs> what are you doing? Utter nonsense. What you're doing is totally wrong and you have absolutely no argument to back it. Even though the argument might be one that I don't agree with, I don't accept, right? You don't even have that, that much at least, to give you some way out on the Day of Judgment. This was my reason for doing this. Right? At least there's some rationale, at least some wisdom behind what you're doing, not zero wisdom. What, what, what are we talking about here? Let's recite the verse. Verse number 170 of Surah Baqarah. أَوَلَوْ كَانَ آبَاؤُهُمْ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ شَيْئًا وَلَا يَهْتَدُونَ When they are told, follow what Allah has sent down, they say, rather we will follow what we have found our fathers doing. What? Exclamation point, question mark. <laughs> That's what the translation said. What? Even if their fathers neither applied any reason nor were guided? So you have a people, God has sent down to them guidance, okay, and they are turning that guidance down, turning away from it, and they have an argument. They say something. What is their argument? Okay, their argument is not that, oh, Allah has sent something down to us, you're saying that, I'm not convinced that God has sent this down. Okay, that's an argument that we can get along with, we can get by by. We, 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 like, if someone says something like that, it's understandable. 
Let's sit down and talk. Why is it that you don't think that this is down, this has been sent by God? Well, for this reason, this reason, that reason. Okay, let's talk about it. Sometimes you will not accept the guidance that's coming down from God because you're not convinced that this came actually down from God. Okay, understandable. But that's not their answer that they're giving here. Their answer is, uh, we'd rather just do what our forefathers were doing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're acknowledging that this is from God, but you just want to stick to whatever practices your forefathers had? What in the world type of argument is this? This is not even an argument. This is nonsense. You know that this is guidance, but you're like, you know what? I just want to stick to what I've been you know, doing from before because my forefathers did it. My ancestors did it. Did it. That is totally off. And so the Qur'an, it asks a rhetorical question here in response to them. Like the Qur'an is like, the Qur'an is like, oh my God, are you actually saying this? What if your forefathers were like totally off, had no clue what, what in the world they're doing? <laughs> you're still going to follow them? It's like a person just walks off a cliff and you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this person walking off the cliff too. That's what happens when you blindly follow somebody. And there's no reasoning to back why you're blindly following them. Sometimes you blindly follow someone because they're an expert. They know what they're talking about. They're God. Okay, You say, okay, I don't want any reasoning. I don't need reasoning. I don't need explanation. You know what you're talking about. You're God. So I'll just follow you whatever you're saying. That's not actually blindly following someone because you have a reason to follow them without questioning. But here we're not talking about God. We're talking about their forefathers versus what God has sent down. Subhanallah, like how off can you be? And so the Qur'an asks this rhetorical question, what if your forefathers had no clue what they're doing and so they got it all wrong? You still going to follow them? Just because they said, just because they had a way of uh, doing things? And so it shows what a miserable state these people are who stick to the practices of their forefathers when there's no rationale backing it. And so for us today, we have to be careful about that. Sometimes there will be certain things that we do and we've gotten used to doing and have become the norm, but you won't find traces of that in the Qur'an or in the hadiths and the sunnah of the Prophet The only reason why we continue doing it is because this is how it's always been. To the point that even if certain scholars will point out that, okay, hey people, this might go against some of the messages of the Qur'an. Maybe we need to like, uh, tweak things a little bit, maybe we need to revisit certain things, then what happens is that those scholars get called out. Those scholars get called out. Alright, well, that's one side of the coin, but there is a whole total flip side as well. Sometimes, our brothers and sisters, they will question and un undermine even the sincerity of our predecessors when it comes to the religion and comes to rituals and practices and all of that as well. We have to be careful at, about this as well. Why? Brothers and sisters, if I'm going to look into the reasoning for things, if I'm going to read into the Qur'an and the hadiths regarding certain things, and I find something different than that which I've been taught all my life, or I've been seeing being practiced by my predecessors all my life, doesn't mean that they didn't have sincerity. It means that, okay, they tried their best to identify their responsibility, 
what Islam is in their eyes based on what they've been taught and read and heard from lectures or whatever. They've tried their best with sincerity and that is what they get, what, what they came up with. If you and I are going to continue this journey and take this torch and maybe sometimes um, have some reform or revisit certain ideas and concepts, doesn't mean we're going to question them now or God forbid, God forbid, look at them, look down on them or mock and so on. No, no, no. We are building on what they have provided us. That's just how it's always been. What matters is that they had ikhlas. What matters is that they tried their best. What matters is that they made the sacrifice because they felt that this is what they need to do and that's what they did. That's what matters. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that we're going to have to blindly follow because this, is the, this has been the norm for the longest time. No, things can be revisited. No one is, in, no one is fallible. Excuse me, no one is infallible. Right? There are only 14 ma'sumin after the Holy Prophet or 13 after the Holy Prophet including him becomes 14. Other than that, everyone's understanding of Qur'an and Sunnah is a fallible understanding. We will follow our great scholars and as time passes, yes, um, the Islamic teachings also might be refined more. Practices and rituals might be refined more. And, and tweaked here and there. You know, this is something that we have to also understand. So the ikhlas, the commitment, the sacrifice, the efforts and all of that, sa'yuhum insha'Allah mashkur, and Allah will bless and reward insha'Allah. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that, okay, that's infallibility now and that nothing can change ever again. No, I mean, if we find just like how our maraja sometimes, their views are changing, our ulama, their uh, understanding from the hadiths regarding some of our beliefs, some of the things that we have to do might change also. One marja' taqlid might believe that moon sighting is okay with the with uh, optical aid. Others will say no, we're still of the opinion that it can only happen with the naked eye. Someone wh well, who believes in naked eye uh, moon sighting might change their mind to something else because we are all fallible at the end of the day. So this is something to keep in mind. All in all, all in all we have to remember that this is not enough of a reason that I we found our forefathers doing it like this and so this is the right way for sure. No, lots of times it might be the right way moving forward. Sometimes there's a chance that it might have to change also. But of course within the framework of Islam and within the framework of the proper methodology of approaching scripture, approaching Islamic literature and deriving um, Islam from those sources through the guidance of our respected ulama. May Allah preserve all of them. Moving on to page number 27. True righteousness lies in the beautiful teachings of Islam. So once again, we have this idea of not getting too uh, distracted by certain details, not getting fixated on all those little things that do matter but they're not the priority. If you remember a few pages ago and the first page that we covered today when it was talking about how every person has their own qibla so try to be the front runners when it comes to the khayrat and righteousness, here on this page 
it illustrates for us and elaborates, opens it up for us a little bit. What is meant by righteousness when it says khayrat? So let's read the verse so that we see what's going on here. Verse number 177, it's a little long, talks about righteousness and what the definition of righteousness is or gives us an or a few examples of what righteousness looks like. It says, لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ وَلَكِنَّ الْبِرَّ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالْكِتَابِ وَالنَّبِيِّينَ وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ ذَوِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْيَتَامَى وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَابْنَ السَّبِيلِ وَالسَّائِلِينَ وَفِي الرِّقَابِ وَأَقَامَ الصَّلَاةَ وَآتَ الزَّكَاةَ وَالْمُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِهِمْ إِذَا عَاهَدُوا وَالصَّابِرِينَ فِي الْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ وَحِينَ الْبَأْسِ أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُتَّقُونَ Righteousness is not to turn your faces to the east or the west. So remember, this is in continuation, maybe, of the previous pages that had brought up the Qibla and how you know people are making such a big deal about you know facing this way or that way. Righteousness is not to turn your faces to the east or the west. Rather, it is personified by those who have faith in Allah and the last day, faith in the angels, the book, and the prophets, and who give their wealth despite their love for it. To relatives, to orphans, the needy, the traveler, and the beggar. So sometimes people are traveling, they get stuck, and they run out of money to help them. The beggar. And for the freeing of the slaves, what else do they do? Maintain the prayer. They give the zakat. Those who fulfill their promises when they make those promises. Allahu Akbar. Like this is something that we, we have to like keep in mind. This is part of righteousness. Those who are patient in stress and distress and in the heat of battle. Yeah? They are the ones who are truthful in their claim of righteousness. They have sidq and truthfulness. And it is they who are the God-weary. Muttaqoon. So page 23, uh, verse 148, was talking about istabiqul khayrat, to, um, to try to fall ahead and win, and win the race when it comes to the khayrat and good deeds. This page is giving us a taste of the khayrat. That this is the core of the religion. This is what it's all about. A person who has not gained a grasp of the core of the faith, the essence of the faith, what's going to happen is they're going to ne neglect these kinds of things. We have hadiths as well for these things, for these types of acts and deeds that the Imams are saying, like, if you want to test people, test people like this. If you want to see if they're true, when it comes to righteousness and the claim of righteousness, see how much they live up to their promises. These kinds of things really matter. Now this verse, when you look at it, it is really a combination of beliefs and actions. All of these things come together to define righteousness for us. Yeah, It's just so cool how the Qur'an in these few pages that we've done so far keeps on reminding the people of, hey, Relax when it comes to the details, get them right, but don't lose sleep over them such that all of these other things are neglected and the whole religion for you becomes 
or are you praying like this or are you praying like that and so on and so forth this happens a lot when in our salats you know i i hear these stories that you know an older brother or sister gives such a hard time to a young person who has just turned baligh over certain details of the salat that this person eventually doesn't even want to come to the jama'ah anymore gives up we have to get our priorities straight first of all that brother or sister who's giving this younger brother or sister a hard time lots of times it's not even their wadifa to tell them of a certain thing that they might have not been paying attention to and the details of that are in the fiqhi books but <laughs> this religious individual who's trying to help inshallah and has the best uh, intentions has gotten so fixated on things that sometimes something might not even be wajib yet they make a big deal out of it and they, they make sure to let this person know and that person eventually is turned off yeah, these are the things that we have to be careful about now these are just examples I'm giving in our you know everyday lives today yeah um, these are just examples there are many more but it's just it's just interesting how these pages uh, are making a big deal because these pages are speaking of the Bani Israel who made the mistake of neglecting what is more important yeah and getting too fixated on what is less important page number 28 Allah is closer to us than we think once again <laughs> I'm going to say it again one of my favorite verses in the Holy Quran after speaking of all of these things that you know what matters more is righteousness and all of that we have this shift to a very another very important topic and that is Allah's relationship with us how close he is to us he really wants to show us in this verse on page 28 how much he loves us let's read the verse this is verse 186 of surah baqarah The verse says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانَ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ When my servants ask you about me, so O Prophet وآله, they come to you, they ask about me, right? Tell them that I am indeed close. I answer the supplicant's call when he calls me, when he or she calls me. So let them respond to me and let them have faith in me so that they may fare rightly, so they can be on the right path. So here when it says, so let them respond to me, فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي meaning this, this invitation that I'm sending them to, hey, call me, call unto me, let them respond to this invitation of mine. So in other words, people, make the most of this. This is a good opportunity. What more could you ask for? The greatest of the great is allowing the lowest of the low, which is me in this material world, the human being, which is anything in the material world that really is the lowest of the low, right? We're not angels. We're not, of course, we can, inshallah, reach a point where we're higher than them, but we as material beings, we're not that high, okay? We're low. Imam Sajjad alayhi salam in, in Sahifa or in some of his du'as, he says, Ana aqallul aqallin. Oh Allah, I am the lowest of the low. The reason for that is because we are in this material world. 
the greatest, the highest of the high is giving, is letting me know, is, is inviting me to call unto Him. Li. This invitation that I'm sending you, make the most of it. Take advantage of it. Call unto me. So that's what this verse is, uh, is saying in the translation. Alright. So, here, he points out the intricacies of the verse. He says, this is a short verse. Yet Allah has used first person pronouns seven times in it. Sometimes when you're talking to the lowest of the low, or you're speaking to the Prophet about the lowest of the low, you're not going to directly speak to the lowest of the low. You're speaking to your Prophet, or you're going to speak in third person, second person, or something like that. But to show the closeness and the intimacy Allah has with us, He uses first person seven times in this verse, said, to show the importance of the matter, and this hasn't happened anywhere else in the Qur'an, he says. Seven times you have me, I, in this verse. So what are they? وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي My servants. One. Two. عَنِّي Of me. Two. He doesn't say عِبَادِي عَنِ They ask of Allah. Or إِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادُ اللَّهِ when the servants of Allah ask you of Allah, it doesn't say that. It says, when my servants ask you of me too. Okay, so that's twice. فَإِنِّي قَرِيب It doesn't say, فَإِنَّ اللَّهِ قَرِيب Verily, Allah is close. It says, إِنِّي قَرِيب Verily, I am close. So that's three. أُجِيبُ Four. I answer. أُجِيبُ The fa'il of أُجِيبُ is أنا, which is within the verb. أنا, I. So that's four. دَعْوَةَ الدَّعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ Five, when he calls me. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي So they should answer my invitation. Make the most of my invitation to them. Yes, number six. And number seven, وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي And they should believe in me. So he is making it all about himself. So in a way, he's like bringing himself down for us. Because he loves us. When a mother or a father, the child, they really care for their child and they want to teach their child a lesson, give their child some advice and guidance, what do they do? They'll kneel to speak eye to eye. Now, very figuratively speaking here, it's as if Allah is doing that too with us. Like, come on. Like this verse is enough for us to go and like cry for an hour, hour out of love for Allah, out of shawq for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how great this verse is. You don't have, as Alama Tabatawai says, you don't have any verses like this. So that's one thing. What else does it have? It says, Ibadi Anni, my Ibad, my servants. It doesn't say the people. When he says my Ibad, that also shows that extra uh, love that he is trying to show here. That there's this connection of my Ibad, my creation. Yeah. It doesn't say فَقُلْ إِنِّي قَرِيبٌ So tell them I am close. This is also an interesting point our Mufassirin have pointed out here. The verse doesn't say, when they ask you, O Prophet, tell them that I am close. Look at that. Look how awesome the verse is and how awesome our Mufassirin are that they've figured this out and they've noticed this subtle point here and intricacy. 
says, when they ask you, I am close to them. I am close. Not even close to them. I am close. So he's not telling the Prophet to tell us. He's giving us the answer directly. Think about it. You go um, to your to, to you go to somebody, okay, who's who's friends with someone else that's too cool for you. You can't call them directly, right? And you send a message to them, right? Or you go to that your friend, for example, and you're like, man, I really like that guy, but like, I just I don't know, like. I don't know how much he likes me back. That person can either tell your friend to tell you that he likes you back, or he can pick up the phone and directly call you when your friend is telling him how much you like him. Think about it. You're telling your friend, your friend goes to that guy. He's like, you know, this guy really likes you. My friend really likes you and stuff. That guy can either tell your friend, tell him, yeah, I like him too. Or he can say, hey, tell me, what's his number? And he dials you up and calls you directly and says, hey, yo, I, got, I like you too, man. There's a big difference between these two. Here, that's what's going on. It doesn't say, it doesn't say فَقُلْ إِنِّي قَرِيب. It says, فَإِنِّي قَرِيب. God has, it's as if God has picked up the phone and has called us directly. You were talking, you were asking about me? Were you asking about me? It's all good, don't worry. We can talk directly. Your friend doesn't have to be in between us. SubhanAllah. It's beautiful. All right. Another point that they pointed out that I already said, فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي is like God is saying, look, this is my open invitation. Make the best of it. Make, take advantage of it. And وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا bi, Hey, have trust in me. Have faith in me. Don't go left and right. Come to me. This verse has love and hope written all over it. And it's the result of Allah and His relationship with us as Creator. And that's why it starts with Ibadi. It's not just us being people and Him being somebody and us being somebody. No, no, no. This is, this is what the relationship between Creator and creation looks like all the time. No matter how bad even we are, it's still there. It's still there. That relationship and bond is still there. Now, I just want to end on this note here that this verse, some will take it to mean, okay, whatever dua we do should be answered in the way we want it to be answered. If I ask Allah for a certain object, a certain thing, then that I should get that thing. That's what it's saying. No, no, that's not what it's saying. How Allah answers our call, yeah, and uh, His closeness to us, how that really translates and what that translates to in this life of ours, doesn't always mean that He's going to give us exactly what we want, exactly when we want it. Okay, that's a different story I don't want to get into. You've, you, you all probably already know this. Sometimes it's better for us to wait a little bit, for us to have some patience, for us to not get that thing and have something else, for us to not get anything, and for Allah to give us a lot more in the Akhirah and so on and so forth. Um, these, this is something that I think we all are clear on. Yeah, But at the end of the day, He's not, if I am putting out that container, He's going to put something in it when I put my hand out. That is what matters. That is what this verse is all about. It is super beautiful. And this is one of my favorite verses. And inshallah, this is one of those verses we always keep in mind, even when we lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma nawwar qulubana bil Qur'an wa zayyan akhlaqana bil Qur'an. ونجنا من النار بالقرآن 
وأدخلنا الجنة بالقرآن اللهم اجعل القرآن لنا في الدنيا قرينا وفي القبر مونسا وعلى الصراط نورا وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته